<laughs> Some night, huh? On this very night, ten years ago, along this same stretch of road, in a dense fog, just like this, I saw the worst accident I ever seen. There was this sound, like a garbage truck, dropped off the Empire State Building. And when they finally pulled the driver's body from the twisted, burning wreck, it looked like this. <laughs> was the worst accident I ever seen. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another exciting episode of From Beyond the Crypt and a Cryptids, Creepypastas, and Urban Legends podcast. I'm Kyle. And I'm Teddy. And we thank you for checking out our little passion project that we've been wanting to do forever, that we finally have decided to to sit down and do it. And, and, and Teddy, we're on episode two now. Yes, I am fucking so happy that we managed to rip that Band-Aid off and do the first episode. That's all we needed to do was just sit down and do it. <laughs> yeah man we've been talking about it for a freaking year of course we try we we at that point needed to rip that band-aid off yep it's otherwise people got tired of hearing us talk every five seconds but like when the fuck y'all starting that podcast yeah we, yeah i were the annoying people in in the group of you know uh, they always had those uh those two people in in a group where they're like yeah yeah i'm gonna do this here real soon it's like okay yeah sure you, you've said that for like a year now <laughs> Or, or, or when we clown on you because you'd be like, yeah, I'll be, uh, I'll be there at this time. And then you show up two hours later and I'd be like, where the fuck were you? And be like, oh, I was eating or I was talking to my roommate. I get distracted, okay? I, I hey, nothing time. wrong with that. I got ADD, my dude, so I absolutely 500% understand that. Uh, but anyway, uh, uh, how you doing today, Teddy? I am doing fantastic. Your boy is supporting, uh, is recovering rather from a nice weed induced hangover. Because, <laughs> uh, for any of our listeners who are not up on with like who we are, uh, individually, uh, yesterday was my birthday and I am a, an old 32 year old fuck now. So <laughs> I, uh, had some friends over, you know, everybody was vaccinated, which is good. Um, and my friend Angie and I rolled up the fattest fucking blunt and we smoked two of those things and I got super gassed. <laughs> Not only that, but on top of that, I stayed up until about six thirty this morning playing World of Warcraft, uh, cause Burning Crusades, uh, classic server dropped so i'm like falling back into my 2000 fucking six uh wow obsession oh so yeah my my sleep schedule is fucked but I'm, I'm doing good i got some good shit everybody you know gave me a lot of good presents um really happy uh as a matter of fact i ha- i have one of them right in front of me right now um my friend wade 
uh, who uh, many may know as uh, Senor Beetle Jess, aka <laughs> the uh, you know uh, Beetle Jess from the Scream Queens uh, partner, yep. um, Wade. Uh, he gave me a fucking fantastic gift. Now, what he bought this gift for is uh, to, to anybody who doesn't know, um, I'm a mad obsessed with Gundams. Um, specifically putting the model kits together. I love the anime. Um, so for my birthday, he got me what he thought alone was a Gundam Stein. Like the head opens, it's the original uh, RX Gundam from Mobile Suit Gundam. It, it was fantastic. I absolutely love it. He's like, drink something lavishly. So right now, I'm drinking a monster out of it. <laughs> but he did not realize that when he sent me that this thing has a cool double feature. And when I say it's a cool double feature, I mean it's the weirdest fucking thing ever. This thing came with an attachment to make it also an ashtray. And believe me when I say that is the weirdest fucking combo ever. Now, when you're using it as an ashtray, you're not expected to drink from it because there's holes in the bottom of the ashtray attachment. So the ash is going to go into your cup. But like, why would you say, well, it could either be a cup or it can be an ashtray. Like, it's so pointed to me because, as you guys can tell earlier, um, I smoke weed. And I smoke a lot of weed. So... I have two or three ashtrays around my house, but it's weird to me to think of a cup slash fucking ashtray combo. It's the weirdest thing ever. I, I'm obsessed with it. I love it. It's so weird. Um, you know, God, it's just, I, I, I love talking about this fucking thing. Uh, you know, as you can tell, I told you and everybody else when you guys fa FaceTimed in the, uh, the other night that I showed you all the box and shit uh, for it. It literally says on the side, doubles as an ashtray and i was like what the fuck <laughs> what and then i looked at it and i'm like this is the greatest fucking thing ever and i'm so glad that he got that for me i'm really happy with it yeah that was a an amazing gift uh yeah uh i'm happy even though i wasn't there in in person uh i'll be there next year in person though hopefully uh you better fucking <laughs> be. but uh yeah uh uh I, I i joined in on uh teddy's birthday party via a facetime call and it, it looked like it, it, it looked like it was a great time. I, I'm, I was happy to see a bunch of people, it, including our friend Cultus was there, and uh, I, uh, I was pretty awesome seeing her there. Yeah, yeah, it's it's very fun uh, to have her come out. Like you know, we 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 hang out all the time in VR chat. Not recently because you know depression's a bitch for me. Yeah. Um, and I kind of took some time away to to address that. But like, she she's the sweetest person ever. She's so thoughtful. Um, you know, I was really glad and happy to see her. Um, uh, but you know who is really happy to speak with you, Kyle? Who? Cat. Uh, cat, cat is, cat <laughs> is wonderful. I love cat so much. Except cat until she sings except, that fucking song. Yeah, until cat decides to clown me and sing a song that I absolutely despise because it plays in the movie like 20 times <laughs> through the trees i will find you oh my god <laughs> for everyone unfamiliar with this uh check out the uh the the uh well, check out one of my all-time favorite horror movies uh, jennifer's body starring megan fox uh and you'll know that the theme song through the trees that the fictional band in the 
movie sings plays multiple times throughout the movie and is honestly so infuriatingly annoying <laughs> to me. You want to know? You know why that is, right? They they make they they make it full known on why it is like that because one of the people um, that sacrifice uh, Megan Fox's character says he wants to be famous like the Maroon 5 guy. Yeah. And what is people's biggest complaints about Maroon 5? Yeah. That they're playing (laughs) all the fucking time and it's the same fucking song and people get sick of it. For me, (laughs) that song's kind of a banger because it slaps the itch that I unironically fucking need scratch and that itch is only filled by Maroon 5. (laughs) So I think they did a very good job... um, I'm oh yeah, I'm an unabashed fucking Maroon Five fan. I don't care if everybody thinks that they're annoying. Their music slaps to me, and that's all that matters. Um, but like it was, it was a very pointed thing, and Cat likes to fucking troll Kyle because like Kyle does not like it in any way, shape, or form. Nope, not at all. He even stopped mid Happy Birthday. They were singing Happy Birthday to me. He stopped mid sentence when Cat cut in to troll. And he goes, no, fuck you. <laughs> I told I told Cat at one point I would burn, I would cut down every fucking tree there was if I had to. <laughs> you can't find me in the trees if there are no trees, motherfucker. <laughs> I just yes, but yes, through the trees, terrible song. But uh, uh Teddy, uh, uh, you know, I, uh, uh, if you like Maroon Five. That's fine. Good for you. I, I hate them, but no, no, but, no, no. Hey, By all means, that <laughs> I, I listen. I love Maroon Five the way that people are unfucking. Uh, you know, people are afraid to admit that they do about Nickelback. Yeah, that's true. There are people out there who fucking absolutely clown say- on Nickelback, but still fucking bop all of their shit. Right. Listen, yeah. I'm not saying Nickelback is a good group. They are called cock rock for a reason. <laughs> Um, I've never heard of called cock rock. I've heard dad, yeah, so, dad rock, but not cock rock. So co- cock rock is a specific genre, and uh, uh, apologize to the listeners for the the vulgarity of it. But cock rock essentially is rock songs that are entirely male dominant, and they're only about three things: getting shit faced drunk, or doing shit ton of coke, and getting fucking laid. Pointing example, Nickelback had a song from All the Right Reasons where it's literally about two people having fucking sex in a car yep. and the dad walking in on it. Yep. So that's a perfect example uh, or porn porn star dancing. I unironically know that the name of the song is Animals. Don't ask me how. <laughs> oh, I know I know it too. I was just kind of beating around the bush. Um, but Maroon 5 is essentially that for me. Like People are like, oh, yeah. Maroon 5 sucks, but I'll be damned if you don't hear me sing Sugar every time it fucking comes on, man. Yeah. Because that is me and CeCe's song. Hey, I, 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 I can't say nothing, uh, man. Uh, uh, Saving Me by Nickelback is a fucking banger. The, uh... that, mo- that song's only good because of Spider-Man. That well, also see see the first time I heard it, uh, well, I saw the music video for it, and the music video it has like people's lifelines above their heads and stuff before, and in the music video, and it reminded me of Death Note, and I was obsessed with Death Note at that point. Oh yeah, and yeah, so that's yeah, why yeah. I loved it. Yeah. 
I fucking I can't I can't but yeah can't with with Nickelback I I will say there are some songs I like of them but as yeah. a whole I don't like Nickelback <laughs> I, th- I will say I think th- there's gonna be a resurgence of Nickelback fans soon because everybody uh, seems to really love the the hey shanty version of uh, of Rockstar. <laughs> I, I, that, that is one song I will vehemently hate with a passion. I just I I don't I don't understand people aspiring to be washed up alcoholic coke addicts. Right. That's that's what rock stars sound like to me. It's like, oh yeah, I got all I got all this fancy bougie shit. Okay, when you stop being fucking relevant, you're gonna be a used and abused after years of you know destroying <laughs> your own life. So. <laughs> Ugh. Enjoy that rock star lifestyle. I'm gonna live the mediocre life of a slug over here and be content. Be content while we read our creepy pastas, as that is hell yeah today's episode's main subject. You know, as we said before, you know, our name is from Beyond the Crypt, and our podcast is all about creepy pastas, cryptids, and other urban legends. And not about through the trees or Nickelback. Exactly, absolutely not. <laughs> I would not be here if it was. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I mean, I mean, uh, I don't know, through the trees may become in in, in relevance when whenever we talk about succubus or, or or stuff like that. You know, considering that's what the movie was, or any cryptids near a forest of any kind yeah as long as cast on the episode on those <laughs> that's what we do when we when we when we reach a forest dwelling cryptid at the very beginning of the episode we will open it up with the lyrics oh god <laughs> we'll, cl- we'll clip that in oh god uh, or that will be the episode the the episode name you know through the trees i will find you a sasquatch story I should like it, okay. I okay, I like, I like that. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Well, uh, so uh, this episode's main subject is gonna be creepy pastas, and you know we're talking about the horror stories that you find on on the internet on either creepypasta.com, dot com, no sleep subreddit. Uh, you can even find have them read to you on on YouTube, which is wonderful. And we're talking about that, not a a bowl of haunted spaghetti noodles. No, no haunted penne. Exactly. But uh, uh, and uh, Teddy's going to share a a creepy pasta ta- uh, that he found with everybody. But before we get into that, we just want to talk about a little uh, brief history of creepy pasta in general, in case anyone doesn't know it. And and Teddy, feel free to chime in whenever you want if uh, if you want to throw in anything. Yeah, for sure. But uh, so through my research, uh, I have come across a little brief history of creepypasta. Uh, basically, from everything, all the research says that it was essentially the the term was coined on 4chan. Go figure. <laughs> on the uh. Th- the X board, which is uh, primarily for paranormal stuff, and and like I said before, like creepy pauses is pretty much uh, defined as any horror related legends that have been copied and pasted around the internet. The first uh, one of the first real uh, creepy pasta. That was going around for a while. Uh, I don't know if you've read this one, Teddy. I actually do remember reading this one. 
there was a story called Ted the Caver. Uh, I've never heard of that one. Yeah, it, it, it's it's uh court is cordoned this is it's considered the earliest form of creepypasta, and uh, essentially it's basically a uh, a story about this guy who and his friends are are, are in a cave and uh hey, they go into a hole that's in one of the caverns and they keep going through and as they're going through more and more bad stuff is happening but it's told from the perspective of Ted to where eventually it ends up it me yeah so to where eventually it ends up cutting off and you're wondering well what what happened did Ted die like what happened and so th- 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 that's uh, the earliest form Wait, wait, wait. As far as far as creepy pastas go, like that was the first ever one to be considered a creepy pasta. Uh, scary stories. That was the earliest form of what is considered a creepy pasta. Apparently, it was uh, posted on the 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 web the the internet service uh, called Angel Fire in two thousand one. Oh my God, Angel Fire! That is yeah. fucking throwback, right? <laughs> but uh, what's really neat is that. Even though these has been around for a while, it wasn't. Uh, it, it wasn't until there was a article that somebody had wrote, wrote for Time Magazine, where people really started to learn the term creepypasta. Hmm. And according to the article, uh, the genre, in fact, uh, had its peak uh, of its audience in 2010, which would be. Which and according to that article, uh, the creepypasta really kind of became popular around Slenderman and stuff like that. Which, which, uh, I, I, I can see that making sense because uh, it's uh, it does seem like Slenderman seems to be like one of the most popular popular uh, creepypasta that that there is that almost everybody knows. I mean, yeah, that's that's probably the very first thing I think of, in my opinion. That and Jeff the Killer. Yeah. Because those were, like, the, the biggest two. Yeah. And, uh, uh, and so, like, you know, so, so over the time, uh, it, it, everything's kind of it, evolved over time. And so now it's more of uh, 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 most creepypastas, instead of being anonymous, they're written by a, a named Arthur. And the what's interesting is that now that you'll start seeing more characters from old creepypastas pop up in other creepypastas to kind of have a sense of continuity throughout as well. Oh my god, can you imagine an MCU like type universe where all the cryptids exist? Yes, (laughs) that would be great. Mothman and you know fucking Jeff the Killer fighting each other, and then Slenderman walks up and was like, "Hey, y'all got any kids?" <laughs> but yeah, that's essentially a little brief history of creepypasta. I don't know if, if Teddy, if you have anything else you want to throw in in that. Um, I just I just remember finding it myself um, around the time of. I want to say maybe 2011, 2012 was really when I like started getting into it, and it was through Mr. Creepypasta on YouTube. Yeah. So that's that's my brief extent like knowledge of it is around that time frame. Mr. Creepypasta was pretty huge on um, yeah on YouTube. Yeah, I think uh, 
it's, it's, I, I know Mr. Creepypasta is, and I'm sure I've, I've listened to him, but a, a, my go-to person on YouTube was Mr. Nightmare. Mm, yeah, Mr. Creepypasta's got that southern, uh, he's got like that silky, like buttery type voice, and it's just, it's nice to listen to, because it's very pleasant. Yeah. And it, it, it does essentially lull you to sleep with how pleasant it is, so yeah. kudos to him for that, because, oh, yeah. you know, I, I, I couldn't do that. Yeah, uh, uh, it, it's funny that you said it because, like, I, I, I too did that. And I, I know many others uh, of my friends who like creepypastas do that. It, it's weird how creepypastas have this thing where you, like, you can put on YouTube and put on creepypastas, and people go to sleep listening to creepypastas be told to them. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. It's like people want to wake up with nightmares. Yeah, but I mean, I, I, I guess I get it though, because I mean, uh, I'm sure some of us as kids went to sleep you know, having scary stories told to us or, or reading them. So it's essentially, uh, essentially, uh, the, the same thing. And so, yeah, that's, you know, just a little brief history of creepypastas, but, uh, you know, we won't keep anybody any longer. We'll, we'll, we'll get straight into the, uh, as people say, the meat and potatoes of this episode. And, uh, yes, <laughs> and 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 Teddy has a story that he wants to share. Yes, so for oh wait, we can't submit to the Midnight Society because they rejected us, man. They did, they did. So, uh, but you know what? Screw them. Uh, everybody uh, listening, grab some marshmallows, uh, grab your coziest blanket. Come gather around the fire and listen to Teddy tell us the tale of the last bus. Before I do that, I do have to, to give a disclaimer. This story does mention things like sexual assault, so trigger warning to anybody who may not find that material suitable or may have issues with the subject. It is a brief part in the story, so you don't have to worry about listening about it too long. Um, I just always like to give that disclaimer. Okay, so this is the last bus. It is written, and I do apologize if uh, this weird this name sounds weird, but it is written by Wound Liquor. Um, this is from Creepypastas dot uh, com's like list of creepypastas. The story, as Kyle had mentioned, uh, is the last bus. The first time I caught the night bus was pure chance. I had heard the legends, of course. We all had. Urban legends are a big thing where I live. I suspect it's partly because I hail from an unremarkable and frankly dull provincial city that has little else going for it. Kids growing up around here, they don't have much to do, so their imagination tends to run wild, with escapism being all the rage. My friends and I were obsessed with urban legends during our formative years, gobbling up tales whispered in the playgrounds and later posted by anonymous posters on online forums. We found both the legends frightening and exhilarating, bringing excitement to our otherwise boring lives. It would be fair to say that I was quite naive back then. Some of my friends were more cynical, but I truly believed them all. The vanishing hitchhiker of Spencer Street, the Southside Trollman, and the White Lady of Croft Manor were just a few of my favorites. My friends and I took on the roles of amateur sleuths, investigating every site and searching for even any evidence that these legendary cryptids and otherworldly entities existed. To my extreme disappointment, 
we found nothing. No ghosts, or ghouls, no monsters, and no signs of anything out of the ordinary. So eventually, I too became cynical. Concluding that all such legends were just childish nonsense, and that I was wasting my time pursuing them. The last bus was another one of those local myths that we had heard about growing up, and I assumed it was bullshit, like all the others. But now I know better. Officially, the last bus out of the city center leaves at a quarter to midnight from the bus depot on High Street. Like me. That's the bus which... <laughs> Sorry, I had to crack a joke in there. Um, uh, that's the bus which sensible people catch if they want to get home safely after a night on the town. You know, the, the pubs and clubs, they close around 1 a.m. And crowds of drunken revelers pile on the streets, you know, fighting over taxis, queuing up for some late night kebabs, attempting a last minute hookup. Or calling up friends, you know, looking for all-night parties. It's the same chaotic scene every Friday and Saturday night. Usually, there are a couple of, you know, fights that break out, and a few people injure themselves by falling over on the pavement. It's all depressingly predictable. The police will be called out, as will the ambulance crews, and eventually, the crowds will disperse. And an eerie silence will return to the darkened streets. Then, we enter the twilight hours, where all sensible and law-abiding citizens are at home, safely tucked in their beds. After hours, the streets themselves, they're left to be vulnerable. Like the homeless with nowhere else to go, forced to seek shelter in shop door fronts, wrapping their cold bodies in old sleeping bags and praying that they make it through the night. And then there are the predators, the ones your mother warned you about. The gangs of thugs who patrol the streets, their blood up as they search for victims to violently attack. And then there are the predatory men who lurk in the shadows, watching for vulnerable women whom they came to prey upon. On a Monday morning, you'll read the stories in the local newspaper, the homeless man beaten to a pulp, the young girl sexually assaulted in the back alley. Police will open up investigations and appeal for witnesses. Sometimes they catch perpetrators. Other times they won't. You'll have sympathy for the victims, but secretly relieved that it didn't happen to you or somebody you know. But in these cases, the culprits, they're human monsters, made of flesh and bone, and not the otherworldly fiends I tried to chase. During my cynical years, I believed that these human predators were the worst thing out there, that they owned the twilight hours before the dawn. But I was wrong, and now I know the truth. There are far worse things lurking in the shadows. The first occasion I caught the night bus came during a difficult time for me. I just turned 21 and had a slit, uh, split up with my partner of two years. Looking back, I can now see how the breakup probably was the best thing for both of us. But at that time, I was devastated and so angry. So my friends had taken me out for the night on the town, hoping it would cheer me up. A nice idea, but unfortunately, it didn't work out that way. I drank way too much, you know, starting out on beers, moving on to hard, uh, shots of hard liquor. You know, we went to the clubs. I made several embarrassing and unsuccessful attempts to hook up. And as if that weren't bad enough, I then started a fight with my best friend. Throwing a punch at him before I got thrown out of the club by a doorman, and then I foolishly decided to walk 
the streets alone in a drunken stupor. Somehow, I managed to avoid getting beaten up or falling over on my face and cracking my head on the pavement. Instead, I managed to stagger into a bus shelter, not realizing that in my inebriated state that the official bus service had finished for the night, and there wouldn't be another one due until morning. I remember laying down to rest on the bench, and I must have passed out because I woke up several hours later and saw that the streets were empty. I was all alone, or so I thought. My heart almost jumped out of my chest when I saw the old bus driving down the street towards me. Emitting black smoke from its exhaust pipe as it came, its noisy engine interrupted the previous quiet. The vehicle was partially illuminated by the streetlights, although I noted with some concern how the lamps flickered as the bus drove by them. The vehicle looked like it was a throwback from the 1960s, you know, the kind of ancient tin can on wheels you'd expect to see at a classic car show. Unlike the modern vehicles we're used to, those that glide down the street quietly, this old rust bucket rattled along, noisily looking as if it could break down at any moment. But instead, it kept coming. Driving down the empty road and coming even closer to my shelter, I noticed how there were no emblems or motifs painted on the side of the bus, and that no destination name was shown above its front windscreen, uh, windshield. The vehicle's exterior was painted all in black, and even the windows were tented, meaning I could not see who or what was inside. I felt a cold chill run down my spine as I recalled the details I had heard about the last bus legend, one of those I'd read and studied about during my youth. The vehicle I was seeing before me matched the description of the coach in its stories, the phantom bus that appears on the abandoned street in the early hours offering lifts to those that are weary and needy. I came close to panic in that moment, wondering whether I was dreaming or suffering from a paranoid delusion. I had spent so much of my youth chasing these legends, searching for any evidence that could prove the existence of something outside of our own reality. But now that the truth was staring me in the face, a big part of me wanted to just up and run. But I didn't. I don't know whether I was frozen to the spot with fear, or if my curiosity got the better of me. But I held my ground, and I waited for the bus to come to me. I stood up on my shaking feet as the coach pulled up beside my shelter. Despite the amount of alcohol I consumed... I suddenly felt quite sober. It seemed to take forever for the vehicle to park up and for the old creaking doors to swing open. When it did, I was confronted by a friendly middle-aged man wearing a neat blue uniform who sat behind the wheel driving the bus. He smiled down at me, his eyes twinkling in an amicable and welcoming fashion. Then he opened his mouth and spoke in a soft, almost fatherly tone of voice, saying, Good evening, my friend. Are you coming aboard? I'd heard about the enigmatic sorry, words are hard, uh, driver before, but nevertheless, his appearance and whole demeanor took me off guard. 
I struggled to find the words to respond, stuttering my way through my reply. What? Where will you take me? I inquired nervously. Home, the driver responded with a reassuring smile. I'll take you home eventually. But life isn't about the destination. It's about the journey. Sometimes you need to take a leap of faith. So what do you say, my young friend? Will you ride with us? I'll admit to being scared in that moment. Terrified, in fact. Somehow, I realized how important that this was. How the decision I made right then could shape the rest of my life. I didn't know exactly what would wait for me if I got on board. But I had a good idea. And it was very terrifying. But if I walked away, I would have never discovered the truth. And so, I took a deep breath, I plucked up all my courage, and I stepped on the bus, seeing the driver smile as the door shut firmly behind me. When I saw the bus driver up close, I sensed something sinister about him and instantly regretted my decision. But by then, it was too late. This was the first time I rode the note bus, or night bus. Over the years, I've been on it a total of three times in total, living to tell my tale on each occasion. Catching the Phantom Bus isn't as easy as you would imagine. There's no set of rules that you can follow, no set time or location. I don't know whether it's by sheer chance or if the bus itself chooses its passengers. I have, however, been able to piece together common threads using both my own experience and those who have made the journey. We have an online forum, which we use to tell our stories and exchange information. It's an issue of safety as much as anything else. The night bus can be lethal if you don't keep your wits about you. Having accumulated this knowledge over the last number of years, I'm going to share it with you now. Once you step aboard the bus, you will see a row of hard back seats stretching back to the rear of the vehicle's interior. There's nothing unusual about this, at least not at first glance. You'll see other passengers too, but you mustn't engage with them at this point, and don't look them in the eye. Take a seat on an empty bench somewhere near the front of the bus. It doesn't really matter where exactly. They'll come to you on their own time. The journey itself can last for hours, or at least that's what it seems like when you're on board. You can see out the windows from inside and look upon the scenery such as it is. Initially, you'll see the familiar sights. The city center streets, buildings and businesses, you'll recognize them. Soon, however, you'll realize that there isn't something quite right with the scene. The streets will be totally abandoned. There will be no traffic or pedestrians anywhere to be seen. There won't be any business lights open or lights emanating from anywhere along the road. But the further you drive out from the city center, the more bizarre sights you will encounter. Soon, the tidy streets and well-maintained buildings will give their way to urban decay. Crumbling structures and ruins like those of a lost city forgotten by time. Eventually, the bus will leave the city behind and enter what appears to be a dense forest. The narrow road you will follow will be shrouded in darkness with only the illumination coming from the vehicle's bright headlights. If you glance into the woods on either side of the road, you'll occasionally catch a glimpse of shadows moving behind the tree line. Strange figures and unidentified animals with glow red eyes, 
flaring back at you through the darkness. You'll see those unnerving creatures for only the briefest of seconds as the bus drives through, and then they're gone. At first, you'll think, it's just your imagination playing tricks on you. But deep down, you'll know that there's something evil lurking in those woods. By this point in the journey, it should become clear that you're no longer in the realm of the living. I don't know where the bus takes you, but I do know it is not wise to stare out the windows for too long. What lurks out there can drive you mad. And besides, your your focus should be on those inside the bus as they pose the more immediate threat. My fellow online sleuths and I think of these passengers as lost souls. It seems certain that they are no longer part of the world of the living. There's some... There seems to be something lacking in them, an important piece that is missing. Once you talk to them, and they will engage with you, whether you want them to or not, you'll see the sadness in their empty, dead eyes. They want to latch on to you because you have what they want. Life. That's why it's so important that you follow the rules. Don't let them get inside your head, whatever you do. There are six entities you will likely encounter once you set foot upon the bus. All of whom have their own unique traits and tricks which they'll attempt to use against you. Based on the experiences of our forum members, I've pieced together a description of each one of these otherworldly entities. Firstly, there's the driver, whose physical appearance I've already covered. The driver's job is to make sure you get on. That's why he'll appear so friendly and welcoming, enticing you to take a ride on his bus. However, once the door shuts behind you and the bus starts moving, you'll see that driver's smile falter ever so slightly as he breaks eye contact with you and focuses on the road. Despite this, the driver is a benign figure who plays a small but important role in the events which follow. After that, his job from that point is simply to just drive. And he does keep his promise to you. He will bring you home eventually, assuming you don't fall foul of any of the spirits during the drive. Like I said, the journey will seem to last a few hours, but when he drops you on, uh, drops you off on your home stream, back in our realm, no time will have passed whatsoever. He lets you off smiling and once again saying, have a nice evening, hope to see you again soon. And you'll be left standing on the pavement of your own home, Bewildered and still having a state of shock disbelief as you watch the phantom bus drive down the road before it inexplicably vanishes at the end of your street. After the driver, the first passenger you are likely to notice is the party girl. This is an attractive young woman who appears to be in her early to mid-twenties. Her physical appearance will change on occasion. Sometimes her hair will be brunette, other times it will be blonde. Likewise, her skin complexion could either be pale or dark, depending on the beholder. What's consistent, though, is how she is made and dressed up. Donning a cocktail dress and high heels carrying a designer bag, her fragrance is sweet and enticing. But you also may smell a hint of alcohol on her breath. You'll notice how her mascara was run, indicating that she had been crying. Nevertheless, There's something deep and expressive in those eyes which draw you in, 
an inner beauty and vulnerability that plays on your emotions. It's worth noting that you'll be attracted to the young woman in spite of your gender or usual sexual preference. Hell yeah. <laughs> um, oh, well, oh well, inclusive creepypastas. I know, man. I'm I'm fucking here for it. You know what? Right. Ghosts ghosts don't discriminate, man. I'm here for it. Exactly. Uh, you'll be unable to take your eyes off of her, and will be feel compelled to take a seat close to her. The party goer will engage with you during the early stages of the journey, distracting you from the bizarre sights outside the bus windows. At first, she'll be flirtatious and fun, asking you about yourself, talking about her night out. But soon, the conversation will take on a much darker tone. As the girl tells you the tragic events from her past, childhood abuse, a violent ex-partner, or the death of a loved one, the story varies each time, but it's always going to be about sadness and suffering. Your heart will go out to her, even if you're not usually an empathetic person. Once she's told you her woeful tale, the young woman will ask you to to go home with her, to give her some comfort. You'll be tempted, but under no circumstances should you agree to go with her. It's critical that you remember what she is, and what she really wants from you. My advice is to politely decline her offer without causing her any undue suffering. The parting girl may be a lost soul, but by all means, she still feels human emotions. She won't be angry that you reject her, but instead she will sob softly into her hands. You'll feel guilty, but you must move on and switch seats. Leave the poor girl to her misery. The next passenger you'll encounter sits a couple of rows behind the party girl. We call her the OAP, or the old ass person, slash the the pensioner. She's an elderly woman, probably in about her 80s. Her white hair and curls, wearing shawl and heavy winter coat, and with a shopping cart parked underneath her seat. Her face is wrinkled, and the perfume she wears will be quite overbearing. But the old ass person has kind eyes and a sweet motherly smile. She will remind you of an elderly relative like a grandmother or great aunt, and you'll feel an affection towards her. A woman of her age and appearance is probably the last person you'd expect to see riding a night bus during the early hours of the morning. Yet here she is, another last soul, trapped on a journey that never ends. The old ass person will speak to you, In a kindly, wholesome fashion, asking you about your life, your family, while also entertaining you with anecdotes from her long, interesting life. You will truly feel at ease talking with her, but you mustn't forget what she really is. The conversation will end with the woman asking you to accompany her home to help her with her shopping or something like that. You know, she'll offer to prepare you something to eat, your favorite meal or snack, whatever it is. And she'll offer to put you up for the night. Again. You'll be tempted, but you must say no. On this occasion, it doesn't actually matter how politely you refuse her offer. Whatever you say or do, she will react with the exact same fury, screaming every obscenity under the sun as her face screws up with anger. It's the last thing you would expect from a seemingly sweet old lady, but that's what will happen. As soon as she launches in, to her hateful tirade, you should leave your seat and move further down the bus, as it probably would be not wise to engage with her for the rest of the journey. The next passenger you'll meet is a scruffy-aged middle man known as the Drunkard. 
He sits close to the back of the seat and is perhaps the type you would expect to find on a late night service. I wouldn't recommend sitting too close to him. If only because he smells pretty bad. His breath stinks of alcohol and cigarettes. You'll note how old his clothes are, how soiled and torn, and how unkept his beard will be. You probably won't wish to engage with him, but the drunkard will begin a conversation with you regardless. And against your better judgment, you'll get drawn in. The drunkard will turn out to be surprisingly intelligent and insightful. Seeking to educate you on such matters as religion, philosophy, and scientific theory. He'll tell you a story in the tale of a parable or fable, one with a dark twist to it. When I first met the drunkard, he recounted to me the tale of the scorpion and the frog, one that demonstrates the cruel and destructive nature of life. Next, he'll remove a silver hip flask from inside his jacket pocket and offer you a drink. Regardless of your alcoholic preferences, You'll, you'll be tempted to take a sip. The drink will smell so sweet and so inviting. But of course, you must refuse him. After you turn down the drink, the drunkard will shoot you an angry look before shaking his head and saying, You're a damn fool. Stupid little child. You have no idea what you're dealing with. That is your cue to move on. Now, you notice how the first tr- uh, three passengers are trying to draw you in. Using whatever charms or supernatural powers they have at their disposal, their ultimate goal is to trick you into leaving the bus. Needless to say, you must not do this. Not if you want to make it home. Nobody knows exactly what happens to those who fall into one of their traps. We do know that several members of our forums have vanished without a trace over the years, and my city has a long history of unexplained disappearances. The fourth passenger is different from the rest. He is a young man who sits on the back row while listening to headphones linked up to an 80s style Walkman. We call him Headphones Guy. And it seems that all he does is listen to music, his eyes closed as he taps his foot to the beat. The Headphone Guy will not attempt to, to engage with you or even acknowledge your presence. That is, however, not to say that he isn't dangerous. There was a member of our group who had a run-in with a guy. To be fair, it wasn't unprovoked. Feeling bold, my friend got right up in the passenger's face, waving his hands around, clicking his fingers, and attempt to get the spirit's attention. When this failed, he stupidly grabbed the guy's headphones, physically pulling them off his head. Predictably, headphones guy didn't react well to that violation. In an instant, he jumped from his chair lashing out with his fist, knocking his assailant down with one punch. Um, For all my one punch uh, fans out there. Um, My friend remembers a sharp, intense pain in the back of his head before he blacked out. The next thing he remembered is waking up in his own bed the next morning with a broken nose and nasty gas on the back of his head. He also found a note in his jean pocket, crudely written on the back of an old bus ticket with what looks to be dried bud, reads... Do that again, and I'll rip your fucking head off. So, Unsurprisingly, yeah. So what he's telling me is that that is an easy way to get off of the bus. Yeah. Start, start a fight with headphones, guy. 
listen, man. Headphone guy is just fucking vibing. Like, out of all these ghosts that have been described so far, head guy, headphone guy is fucking vibing. And if it, you fuck with yeah. somebody just vibing, that's that's your fucking problem. You deserve to have a broken nose. Headphones guy's me on a bus. For real, that my ass too. If you touch, if you try to talk to me on the bus, I ninety percent of the time will have headphones and I won't listen to you. Okay, where was I? Um, okay, <laughs> unsurprisingly. My friend never rode the bus again. I don't know what the headphone guy's deal is, but my advice, leave him alone. So at this point in time, you're probably wondering why one would wish to catch the nice bus at all, given how you'll be transported to a terrifying alternate reality and encountering otherworldly spirits who wish to trap you there. Well, the short answer is no sane person would. Bar a handful of crazy urban adventurers and amateur paranormal investigators like myself. Most of those who have boarded the fandom coach would have done so by accident, not realizing what they had gotten themselves into until it's too late. Most of those who ride the bus once have no inclination to do so again. But those of us who do seek out the fandom coach for a second, third, or in my case, fourth occasion... Well, we have our reasons. One reason, above all others, in fact, is we want to see the Harbinger and ask him one of our permitted questions. I'll regret the first ride of my bus for the rest of my days. Although I was drunk, I had enough wits about me to see off the various tricks used by the other passengers, but I wasn't prepared for him. The Harbinger is the only passenger who isn't already riding the bus when you get on. He comes later, after you've negotiated your way through the ghostly entities and you think that the worst is behind you. The first thing you'll notice is the burning cross mounted on top of a darkened hillside, overlooking the road on the left-hand side. Or, if you're in Alabama, you know, just another racist ass. <laughs> yep, uh, can confirm, in Alabama... <laughs> fucking awful fucking terrible uh, <laughs> hate this place um, yeah well you'll be out of there soon enough man you'll be you'll be here in orlando um so basically uh you know i, I remember the first time that i saw that foreboding symbol and that immense fear that i felt i was like oh god banjos are coming no <laughs> um, <laughs> yes um the, he he goes on to say i i knew i knew something bad was coming after the moment that I spotted the cross, I was shocked to see the bus was slowing down, pulling over to, on the side of the road and parking up in the layby. Next, the driver operating in the door would swing the door open at the front of the bus, opening it to whatever lay on the other side. The terror almost overwhelmed me as I thought of the horrors that lurked behind the Shadowlands or the creatures and demons hiding in the haunted woods and hillsides. I recall looking to the other passengers, somehow hoping that these devious spirits would offer me some protection from whatever was coming. But instead, their heads were down, and they all maintained a solemn silence. Realizing that I was on my own, I glanced out the window to witness a sight which chilled me to my very core. There was a small, covered shelter by the roadside, almost covered by overgrown vegetation and was only just visible in the dim light. 
and within the seemingly abandoned bus shelter stood a tall, hooded figure. A sinister individual with his face covered and a considerable frame hidden underneath a long, dark robe. The mystery man remained still and silent, although I soon spotted the animal by his side. It was a large black dog that snarled aggressively through a snout filled with razor-sharp teeth, and it glared at me with its hungry, predatory eyes. Only a thin glass pane separating him from me. I had imagined the hound breaking loose, ascending the steps, charging down the aisle, before burying its razor-sharp fangs into my soft flesh. Thankfully, the dog's master retained control of his beast, although I was far from out of danger. I also noticed how hot and stifling it had suddenly become as if an almost unbearable wave of heat had hit me. Meanwhile, the bus remained parked for what seemed like an eternity, its door ajar, as the driver waited to see if its passenger would get on. Now, since I had learned that the hooded figure we call the Harbinger will do one of two things at this point, either he will remain remuted or, excuse me, he will remain rooted to the spot until eventually the driver will say something like, well, not tonight, before he closes the drawer and drives on. From what I've been able to gather from both my own experiences as well as those of my contemporaries, this happens most of the time. Two out of three times, the Harbinger won't step out from the bus shelter, and that will be the end of it. But sometimes, he will step forward. Marching through the mud in his heavy boots while dragging his hellhound along on the leash, he'll come aboard the bus, prompting the driver to say, Good evening, sir. I'll, I trust you'll have a pleasant journey. The harbinger won't answer. Instead, he'll glide down the aisle with his faithful mutt following him behind. He'll take a seat near the front of the bus, pulling down his hood to reveal what's underneath. To this day, I can't fully explain what I saw in that terrifying moment. It seemed like that there was only a dark void where his face would sh his face should be, with two burning orbs instead of eyes. He had no mouth that I could see, and so by rights, he shouldn't have been able to speak. And yet he did, calling out to me in a booming, godlike voice which echoed through the hollow interiors of the bus. Come to me, mortal child, he ordered. Come and sit with me, so that we may speak. As you can imagine, I was utterly terrified at this moment, so much that I thought I might pass out. But for some reasons I can't explain, I, I obeyed the Harbinger's orders. Feel like I physically could not resist him, and as if my legs were no longer under my control. I remember looking to the other passengers as I walked down the aisle, hoping that one of them would help me. But each of the four kept their heads down, and they muttered in unison, reciting a prayer in a language I could not understand. It had become obvious that the Harbinger held power over these lost souls, and they were all trapped under his spell. Perhaps they were once like us, falling victims to the Phantom Bus and the Harbinger's godlike powers. In any event, they offered me no assistance in that fateful moment, and soon I realized that was completely 
at the Harbinger's mercy. I involuntarily took a seat in the row directly behind the Harbinger. His head turned in an almost unnatural way to face me, as his dog snarled aggressively in my direction, but thankfully resisted the urge to bite me in the leg. I just, I, I like how there he's like, yeah, he, 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 he resisted the urge to like use my leg like a chicken wing. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. That's, it's, it's funny. Cause he could have been like, you know, resisted the urge to maul me, but he was like, he resisted the urge to gnaw on my leg. He saw my leg and was like, wow, that's a nice uh, femur you got there. <laughs> Be a shame if I chewed it. Um, Sorry, I do apologize about the jokes, but uh, it's great. I will continue. I will continue. Uh, he says, I can't really describe how the Harbinger smelt, other than to say he stank of death. The fire orbs he instead of eyes stared right at me, and I couldn't look away. No matter how much I tried, I felt like I was on fire, my soul burning under his hateful glaze. Glare. Sorry, who glaze? Like a donut. <laughs> um, in my state of abject horror, I'd imagine what this monster might do to me. I reckon he could kill me with ease, but that was the least of my fears. Instead, I believed I may become like the others. Anonymous, another anonymous lost soul riding this damned bus for all eternity. In any event, I was powerless to do anything in that moment, other than remain frozen in my seat, waiting for the Harbinger to speak. Despite the absence of eyes, I somehow could tell he was looking down on me, that he had considered me with total contempt, like I was something he would, he'd step on. To this day, I don't know whether or not he was speaking out loud or if his booming voice was only inside my head. Either way, I found myself totally transfixed as he spoke his words. I see... Another mere mortal has found its way into my realm, he began. I assumed he was referring to me. I'll confess to having little time for your contemptible and weak race. Nevertheless, I must respect the bravery of the odd individual such as yourself. Not many have the courage to come to this dark place. For this reason, I will grant you safe passage, and I will answer you one question. Ask me what you want, mere mortal, and I will impart to you my infinite knowledge. Now, this is a moment I have replayed over and over again in my mind over the years. I literally could have asked the Harbinger anything. The winning lottery numbers, who killed JFK, the meaning of life. He sees and knows everything, and the possibilities are endless. One of these guys on our forum had asked the Harbinger how he would die, and he was told that his vices would kill him within six months. Well, that guy was an addict, and he laughed it off as the Harbinger warned him and continued to, do, to, to use. Six months later, he was dead from an overdose. And then there was a young woman who at the time of her encounter with the Harbinger was stuck in an abusive and controlling relationship she asked the entity what would happen if she stayed with that asshole boyfriend well she was told that her life would end unless she broke up the relationship 
This proved to be the motivation she needed to leave. Good for her. Um, About a year later, that bastard was arrested for murdering another girl and ultimately sentenced to life in prison. I'm going to take a brief moment to say that girl dodged the fucking largest bullet. Like, absolutely dodged that bullet. <laughs> um, but of course, I didn't know any of this at the time. You know, I felt nothing but pure terror as I sat frozen in my seat. Quaking in my boots as the harbinger glared down at me with disgust. In that chilling moment, I could think of one question asked which I stuttered from my trembling lips. What are you? I swore I could hear the creature scoff with contempt before he gave his answer. My poor child, he bellowed. Alas, you humans will never fully comprehend what I am and what I represent. Nevertheless, I owe you an answer, so I shall explain in the simplest of terms. I am the past the present, and the future. I see all from where I stand. And yet, I have sworn not to intervene in the mortal realm. He paused momentarily, turning his burning orbs towards the darkened landscape outside the window. This world you see before me is my kingdom, my domain. I offer sanctuary to those who have nowhere else to go giving a home to those lost souls trapped between the mortal and eternal realms. Perhaps you will come here one day and become a permanent resident of my dark realm. Perhaps not. You could have inquired after your ultimate fate, of course, but you chose not to do so. But I have answered your one permitted question and fulfilled my obligation. And now, my child, I will bid you farewell. With that, he rose from the chair, summoned his hound, Gliding down the aisle as he made way for the exit, I was flabbergasted in a state of shock. I still had so many questions to ask, and I opened my mouth without thinking. Wait, I called for him, instantly regretting my decision to speak. The harbinger turned sharply, his orb-like eyes burning even fiercer. His hound growled as it bared its sharp teeth, pulling on its lead as if trying to get at me. When the harbinger spoke again this time, his tone had become angry and threatening. Heed my warning, you damn fool. I have tolerated your presence in my realm thus far, but do not test my patience. I can inflict pain upon you which goes beyond your worst nightmares, and I will not hesitate to do so if you break my rules again. I felt all of the blood drain from my face and my whole body shook uncontrollably as sheer terror overcame me. Needless to say, I did not utter another word. Instead, I watched on in shock and awe as the harbinger glided down the aisle, dragging his snarling hellhound with him. The driver brought the bus to a slow halt to allow the godlike creature to disembark. I I began to feel pangs of relief, as I thought my ordeal was nearly over, but there was one last twist to his macabre episode. As the harbinger stepped off the coach, my fellow passengers suddenly shot up from the seats and all simultaneously turned back in my direction. To my horror, I saw how their eyes had turned jet black and that their mouths were wide open, revealing gaping black holes. 
It seemed that they were all trying to scream, and yet no sound was emitted. And then I saw what was lurking in the darkened woods on the other side of the road. Hundreds of fiery eyes emerging from the tree line, belonging to unholy beasts that harled like wolves in the night. Everyone focused upon our bus. I screamed out in terror, feeling that the Arbinger had changed his mind and was summoning his hellish minions to tear me to pieces. The howling rapidly increased in volume, and it became so loud that I was nearly deafened. What happened next remains to be a blur in my memory. I recall the horrific din and pressure build up inside my head until I thought my head would explode. Suddenly, there was a blinding flash of light forcing me to hide my eyes underneath my hands. A moment later, I opened my eyes again, only to discover that the beasts had vanished and that my ghoulish friend... Oh, excuse me. I had opened my eyes again, only to discover that the beasts had vanished, as had my ghoulish fellow passengers. I was on my own inside the bus, just me and the driver, as we continued down the lonely stretch of road. I have very recollection of what happened the rest of that journey. I don't think it was much longer before we left the dark realm and returned to the city streets I knew and recognized. When we arrived on my street, I could not believe it, thinking that this was another trick. I sat still in my seat some time until eventually I needed to be prompted by the driver who called out to me saying, Y'all stop, my friend. Come on now, please. I can't wait here all night. With some trepidation, I walked down the oil and stepped off the bus. Feeling the cool, fresh air against my skin as I returned to the realm of living, I recalled the driver wishing me good night and saying he would see me again before he drove away. So that's my story, but that's not the quite end of it. You may well ask why I didn't abandon my obsession with the Phantom Bus after my terrifying encounter. Well, for a long time I did, but in the end, my curiosity got the better of me. I didn't like the uncertainty of life and not knowing what lies before me. I used to think that that's just the way it is, but now I know better. The Harbinger is out there and he can provide me the answers I need. I won't waste my opportunity a second time. For years, I have chased the bus, and I've caught it, a f- caught it a further two times. On both occasions, I boarded and avoided the trap set by the ghoulish passengers, and both times I waited for the harbinger to abort. But he would not move from his sh- shelter, and so my hopes were frustrated. It has been extremely disheartening, but I won't give up. Tonight I will seek out the bus once again, and I'll keep doing so until the Harbinger answers my call. I know the risks. One night, I may board the Phantom Coach and never make it home, but nonetheless, I need to do this. I must know the truth, no matter what the cost. Now, if you excuse me, I have a bus to catch. That was great. Yeah, it was a little long. I I didn't realize that when we were picking out stories for that that this was like twenty fucking two minutes of pure reading. Yeah, and that's not including me either stuttering or making jokes or us talking. Yeah. So I was like, "Damn, this is a long story." I like this. I, I how you feel about it, man? I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, I honestly want somebody. Uh, or even me, you know, I have aspirations to make uh, horror short films 
I think this would be an easy thing to do a horror short film on. For sure, and you and you and Cece can tag team that project because right. you know right. the minute you ask her to, to 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 work on any horror project, she's gonna be like, "Yes, please." Yeah, and you know she's working she's working on that that script writing class. Yep. So I mean, she's she's got it soon. So I can definitely see this being a horror short. This would be I, great. I, I I would love it. I I do have some critiques in it. Yeah. Um, I I know we spoke about it before we started recording. Um, but some of the words in here or how he phrases, I had to change myself. Yeah. Because yeah, how they yeah, I like the was, way that you you worded things. It was it was very weirdly worded. Yeah. So I yeah. I had to do a translation in brain and say it the way that it felt comfortable to me. So sorry, wound liquor, if I didn't verbatim read your story, it's just because it's not naturally how it comes to me when I talk. So I had to change that. Um, but overall, this was good. I like I like the the various like passengers. Um. I'd be very fucking frank. If I was in this situation, fucking, I, I would probably fucking just absolutely lose my shit. Um, I would probably fucking get caught by the first one. Um, not gonna lie, but not for the reason other people would think. Yeah. People would think, oh yeah, pretty girl. Oh man, he's, you know, they're gonna fall in that trap because she's attractive and they're trying to get laid, kind of thing. Yeah. Like the character in the story, he admits that he was drunk and he struck out several times uh, prior to getting on the bus. In my case, what I think would fall note to me and why I would try to comfort her is the story of the abuse of X, as well as like the history of child abuse, because that's something that hits near and dear to me. Yeah. Um. So I would definitely be fucked there. And I also would be fucked by the old lady, too. Not in that sense, but, like, I'd be screwed by her, too, because I love hearing stories. So I would spend the entire time talking to that old lady just about, like, her spec her perspective in life. Yeah. Um, I, I do the same thing in real life with, with veterans, and I love hearing old war stories from, you know, old veterans because I myself am a veteran. So it's it's nice to see how things change but don't change over time um and it's nice to see uh, essentially like a, a living breathing time capsule yeah so those those two would definitely get me i mean i would i wouldn't take a drink from from the the drunkard guy just because i don't drink yeah um and i mean i would just straight up leave fucking headphone headphone guy alone because like that man's just fucking vibing if you fuck with him and he knocks you the fuck out you deserved it. <laughs> I, I know we said that earlier, but that man... He, how are you going to mess with Star Lord like that, man? Bruh. He's just over there vibing to his like Awesome Mix Volume 2, and you're showing up like Thanos see, trying to freaking Gamora his 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 music player. See, see me being the idiot I am, I would have asked the Harbinger what's, what is the headphones guy listening to. And, and <laughs> yes. I would have wasted my answer on that and I know absolutely you would ask the Harbinger to smoke with you <laughs> yo Harbinger I just rolled like the fattest fucking blunt man I'm telling you man this shit is at least 50% THC bro please will you like, smoke you know, with me you know, smoke with Harbinger this will be the best weed in your realm ever he, li <laughs> he literally would be like motherfucker i am smoke yeah 
you're sitting there on the bus, vibing. <laughs> to be fair, on, honestly, uh, all, all jokes aside, I honestly would probably ask like some question involving to do with like my mother. Yeah. Um, you know, probably the most the most question I would probably ask for those who may not know, not to get a little dark. My mom passed away from a massive heart attack. So I think the, the the question that probably I would ask the most realistically would be I would want to know if my mom suffered, and you know nobody wants to kind of think about that stuff. But I would like to think that when you know it had happened for my mom, you know she wouldn't have suffered. So that would be like the absolute burning question I'd have to ask. Yeah, it's a little dark, and sorry for going there, guys. Um. But it's it just, it would be the one question I would absolutely have to know. I don't give a shit how I'm going to die, because, you know, thanks to denial, I know that's never happening. But, um, <laughs> See? Um, in, in my mother's case, my mother was the world to me when I was alive. You know, I didn't show it because I was a stupid-ass teenager like everybody else. But my I, I just, that's one thing I could never wish upon, like, anybody is that their mother passes away and you never know whether or not she had suffered. Yeah. Oh. Uh, because heart attacks are scary, man, to go through that shit by yourself, especially for a long time, even though it ultimately, you know, leads to your death. I, I wouldn't want anybody to ever go through that alone. So in my mom's case, I hope it was, you know, pretty, pretty quick and, you know, she didn't suffer for a long time. But actually... Um, on your case, I was actually thinking of something meme-worthy because, like, you, you you would say well, you would ask what the headphone kid or headphone guy is listening to, and I dead ass believe his wholehearted answer yeah. would be some shit like "Through the fucking trees." And then I would have been like, "No!" <laughs> and that's that's how he would get you. He, yeah. he would th- he would literally feed you to your dog because you would react with a like a large shouting "No!" because that would be the answer. Yeah. He would be like, fuck you, cat. And he's like, who's cat? Yeah, who's cat? Yeah. <laughs> uh, see, yeah, I think I, I, I'd ask something, something meaningful that I, I'd really want to know. But one of the things that I've always thought about uh, ever since I watched the movie uh, Big Fish was because uh, there was a scene where the uh, the these three kids ended up meeting this witch and she told them how they were going to die. But, but you could be told if you, you, you could, uh, uh, you, you could be told if you wanted to, or you could not. And I, ever since I've read that, I've always, you know, had this on theory of mine that if, if someone finds out how that, that you find out how you're going to die, that would essentially eliminate fear. <laughs> because like, you know, if your fears are, don't have anything to do with any with, with how you're going to die, you would essentially eliminate that fear. So, and so, I, and so I, and, I feel like I agree with that, yeah. but I also see the other end of it. You will go instantly mad, right? Yeah, and you would avoid everything to do with what that thing that can, yeah. it's like in, it's like in Final Destination, you know, um, where like the signs show up, and if you're not paying attention to the signs, like you know, it, it, you'll still die, but like you, you'll die in ignorance. But when you become aware of what it is, that that's when things start to spiral out of control. Yeah. 
Twi- Twilight Zone went over it recently with um, a really good episode that had um, uh, the guy Be- who plays Ben for Parks and Rec. I'm drawing a drawn name blank on his name. Uh, you know who I'm talking Adam Scott. Adam Scott. Um, he, much like uh, all of our listeners here, uh, was listening to a podcast and it started to describe the events of the plane that he was on and saying that the plane was going to crash. And um, he starts to go mad and trying to stop it from crashing. And I'm not going to spoil, I'm not going to spoil the ending for it. If any of you guys want to check it out, I absolutely recommend it. It was fan. It was a fantastic episode. Um, but it's just one of the situations where it's like, if, if I know what's going to kill me, I feel like I'd, I'd be on the opposite end and I'd go mad. Yeah. See, like with me, my two biggest fears in life are snakes and heights. And I feel like if I was to find out I was going to die and it was going to like something other than that, I feel like it would eliminate that fear from my life and I'd be able to go on roller coasters, skydiving, and all this other stuff that oh, yeah. that I would For like sure. to experience, but fear overcomes it. But the reason why, like, I, I honestly, if I thought, like, if I if I thought that way, I feel like I'd be in a lot better place but you know because i overanalyze a lot of things i think of like situations and whereas they tell you what you die from but maybe it's not what you think it is like let's say use your example of like a snake like let's say you have you have fears of snakes so you're told that your death has something to do with snake and you think oh cool that means fucking you know it has something to do with like a fucking you know average run-of-the-mill snake However, it may be twisted. You know, you may die at the hands of somebody named Snake. Or, you know, you may fucking be cleaning your fucking drain because it's clogged and you die from the the fucking drain snake. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, it's like a monkey paw because they may tell you, but it may not manifest in the way that you think it might. I don't know. I just have some weird deep thoughts. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I can say that too, and and that's something thought of mine as well. Just because, uh, you know, when you mess with stuff like this, it's not always straightforward. They like exactly they like to trick people and monkey paws, yeah. man, monkey paws. You get all those wishes, but they all come with a negative consequence. Yeah, it's like a, it's like a. For example, uh, on an episode of Supernatural, there's an episode where these people end up realizing that there's a crossroads demon and they can ask it for, for what they want and it'll give it to them in exchange for their soul in a couple of years, except for it tricks them by one guy asks that he says he wants to be the, the most talented artist uh, that there is and he gets it and he can paint, he can paint like the most amazing stuff ever, but no one sees it and he's never famous or anything like that. R.I.P. Yeah, he's pretty much can can paint the prettiest pictures, but no one will ever see it. I I I would ask something very specific, like to, to get through situations like that. I would ask yeah, you very, to, very, 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 very specific. specific. Like I'd be like, I want to be completely one hundred percent immortal. Nothing in any way, shape, or form can kill me. I will live through the rest of time, and uh, yeah. Uh, my body will never take any kind of damage. 
Yeah, <laughs> you, you gotta you gotta do something really, really, really specific like that. It's not like how the Dragon Balls work or anything like that. Yeah, and then all of a sudden the demon's like, "I'm I'm gonna have to talk to management about that. I'll get back to you." On that sir, one. I'm, um, sir, sir, I'm not sure if we can do that. The best we can do is a thirty percent off, uh, thirty percent off coupon to uh, Logan's Roadhouse. Yeah, look, sir, uh, um. Look, I'm just saying we can give you like ten dollars store credit. That's <laughs> best I can do is five bucks. Yeah. He's gonna he's gonna downplay it like the guys from Pawn Stars. Yeah, yeah, he's gonna yeah he's gonna say that. He's like, well, uh, I got a friend who's an expert in this very specific uh, uh, category. I'm gonna call him in. <laughs> <laughs> he comes up and it's like some like fucking like basic incel-looking yeah. dude named Jeff. <laughs> oh, God. He's, he's, like, got the glasses, and he's like, well, historically, nothing about this says that we can't do it, but um, <laughs> let's give him a small penis as a compensation. <laughs> oh, God. But, uh... He's like, he, he's like the grossest-looking neckbeard, the kind of person that you'd like, if I touch that person, I'm gonna turn sweaty like he is. Yeah. <laughs> But back to the the story though, uh, man, th- this story, uh, you know, reading through, I-, I was like, you know, this this seems to be pretty pretty straightforward and pretty easy to get through. I don't think I'd have a problem, honestly. But it's uh, but I can definitely see how people would constantly chase this once they realize they can ask it anything. I I want someone to do like a comedy of like. The Harbinger's like, oh, are you fucking serious? Dude, this is like your 14th time this week. What the <laughs> he, sees, hell? He, he sees them in the window and he's like, this fucking guy, come oh. on. He's like, oh. <laughs> so he like gets on the bus, he looks, oh, fuck, no, not you. <laughs> it's like, what is it this time? <laughs> For the last time, no, I will not buy you Belle the Fiend's bathwater. Stop <laughs> asking me. <laughs> No, I will not give you free subscription to her OnlyFans. Buy it like the rest of the fucking simps. Come on. He's just like, it's like, really ask him anything? <laughs> like, and I love that like the guy put like in the thing, he was like, uh, I could ask you anything. I was going to die. Who, who, who killed JFK? I'm like, I'm, I'm like yeah, if I could successfully do this, I would really get on this bus all the time and just ask it stuff that I've always wanted to know. I'd be like, yeah, hey, who killed JFK? Who, uh... <laughs> I would write that shit down. I would too, too. yeah. I, I And here's the thing. If I wanted to be like the world fucking famous Batman detective to fucking piece all this shit together, each time I got on the bus, I would ask him a specific question to, 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 to build up the evidence that you would need. So when you did go to the world and say, this is who shot JFK, you can be like, these are all the sources. Look at them. Yeah. So, uh, like, how did you figure it out? And you'd be like, yeah. you know, the night bus guy told me, yeah. you know? Yeah. And then you would lose all credibility because they were like, oh, this guy's fucking crazy like the rest of them. <laughs> uh, it, it's hilarious. Whenever I, was, whenever I was listening to you read this, all I thought about what was was that episode of SpongeBob where <laughs> where he, 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 he misses the bus and he's waiting for that one bus. And it's that, it's that really crappy part of town. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's literally that. That's that's what I was envisioning. This bus coming up. 
<laughs> you know, you know what? Honestly, at first, my first like recollect or my first like take on like reading through the story before we started uh, this episode is, this sounds like just a really dark, gritty version of the Night Bus from Harry Potter. You, you know, yeah, it kind of does, don't it? This is what happens when you know instead of witchcraft and wizardry for like a lot of this stuff, they use like voodoo. <laughs> yeah. This is the voodoo Night Bus. The bus that doesn't have the good demons and the shrunken heads that talk to you that are cool and shit like that. This is the one that gives you. Yeah. This is the Dark Souls bus. Um, there are some things I did want to give the for uh, like a mention about. I know we had talked about like the trigger warning at first um, before we started reading that. Now there are views in the story that you know maybe they are the blend of like the writer's experience or his own individual views. Um, specifically in the lines where he had mentioned, like, you know, the predators looking for vulnerable praise and stuff like that. Specifically in the sentence, it says, you'll have sympathy for the victims, but you will secretly feel relieved that it didn't happen to you or somebody you know. I just want to take a moment to say, I, as a person, do not secretly wish anybody, you know, or I'm not glad that like anybody was like assaulted and thank god it wasn't somebody i know i have been a victim of sexual abuse anytime stories are like that on the news i have empathy for that person my heart always goes out to that person because it is near and dear to me even if it wasn't near and dear to me i still absolutely would have not sympathy but empathy for these people because that is a rough fucking thing to go through um I, I just wanted to take a take a moment to 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 address that because I felt like that was probably my biggest critique I had about this is I didn't like the implementation of that line, um, because nobody should ever be secretly relieved that anybody under any circumstances got beat beat down or like sexually assaulted. Nobody should. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with with Teddy as well. Like, I, like I, I've literally never ever heard any kind of like tragic story and thought, "Well, I'm glad that wasn't me." Like, that's just really selfish and shitty to think. Yeah, because I mean, like, you're like, "Oh man, thank God," you know. Like, if if I ever have any remote thoughts of like that, it would be like, "Oh, thank God, nobody was hurt." Yeah. You know, like, let's say there's, like, a, tr like a, like a, like a bus crash or, like, a bus breaks down on the side of the road and catch fire. My, my line of thinking is, thank God nobody's hurt. And if people are hurting it, my immediate thoughts are, my thoughts go to them, you know, I, I, I hope that they recover quickly. I'm never, ever going to sit there and be like, oh, thank God that wasn't me. That's, was like, the shittiest, that is the worst karma you could ever accrue. Yeah. Is, is, is secretly wishing misfortune on people as long as it doesn't directly involve you or your life. That's that's crazy to me. Um, as far as everything else goes, um, I, I know I had to word things differently than how it's written, so if you guys do end up looking up this story, it partly is different only in the way that I word it, because that's how I speak naturally. Um, so, overall, this story was good. It was really descriptive. I fucking love the Harbinger. Um, come in. 
Kyle, I got the name of our episode. You ready? Oh. The the name of the episode is Q and A's with the Harbinger. <laughs> yes, I like that one. Uh because it's essentially what it is. It's a story about a man doing a Q and A yeah. with like a guy who knows literally everything. Um, but yeah, it it, it it everything in here reads to me like Harry Potter, though. It, like, literally, think about literally, it. I thought the Harbinger as as a Dementor. That's what I pictured him as. Yeah, because like I was like, he takes off the hood and it's just like the black smoke stuff. Um, but not only that, but like when he's talking about like the beginning of the journey of his bus, the the. the oc i guess yeah um you know it mentions them going from uh you know like the the city area and then you you traverse out and you start to see more urban decay and then you know you start to see like woods they basically just explained the hogwarts ride uh the hogwarts express ride at fucking universal oh yeah <laughs> that Which is I literally can't... The video spiel that they play, they have you leave King's Cross to go to Hogwarts. Which I can't then, wait to experience. And then when you when you are going from Islands of Adventures back over to Universal Orlando, aka leaving Hogwarts and going to King's Cross in the theming of it, it plays in reverse. You're you're going from the woods back into the city. So like reading this, I was just like oh, Man, they just wrote a dark grit. They they wrote a Zack Snyder version of the the Hogwarts Express ride video at, at Universal. Yeah. Oh man, you 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 have so much to look forward to. I'm I'm so happy that you're coming down for that. Oh, I cannot wait. I'm definitely gonna get a double part pass just so I can ride the Hogwarts Express. Well, that that literally, if you're going to Islands of Adventures and you're already yeah. in Universal Orlando, you are literally wasting your energy if you leave the park any other way than the Hogwarts Express. They literally take you to the best part of the park. Okay. It, it I literally, can't like, I, I like Islands of Adventures and I know Velocicoaster just opened up, so everybody's talking about that. But, like, in my opinion, Iowa's best area is, uh, is Hogsmeade, is... Uh, Hogwarts Castle, uh, Hagrid's Magical Motorbike Adventure, uh, you know, Forbidden Journey if you're into getting Virgo, um, or CC's favorite ride, Flight of the Hippogriff. But, like, that whole area is the best part of the park. So, yeah. like, why why would you walk through the not-so-good-of-the-park to get to the best park when you just ride a train over to the best park? <laughs> so, Kyle, moving forward um, on to... Because cause I read the story. I, I want to hear your rating first. Ooh. Uh, out of out, out of five creepy pastas, what what do you give it? Out of five creepy pastas. Ooh. Uh, <laughs> out of five haunted penne, how many penne do you give it? <laughs> uh you know I'm gonna possibly I, I I really enjoyed it, and like it was just so. It was one of those that when I was reading, I could envision everything in my mind. Like yeah. even if it wasn't as descriptive uh, as you would think, it was easy to envision everything. And I was just thinking, oh man, this would be a really good short uh, horror, short short horror film, and everything. And I was really liking it, and uh, also like <laughs> I love that 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 there is an unconventional. Uh, 
shortcut off of the night bus or not oh, off, off the night bus off the last bus by you know getting punched in the face by the, the Listen, headphones guy I, I i have the perfect explanation for that you ready that friend was a speed runner and he found a way to glitch the last right, train right, like, to unintendedly skip the cutscene of the harbinger literally people spent speed run the last bus like literally he, that, that, he I, was, I was thinking like a speed runner when you read that part i was literally just like oh well well there's a shortcut off the bus right there <laughs> Could you imagine somebody puts that video up on YouTube? They just live stream it the entire time. Sped ran the uh, sped ran the, the last bus yeah. in, in fucking two minutes and thirty three seconds. World best, yeah, world best. And they're sitting there like uh, do, talking about it, and like you see that they clearly have a broken nose and yeah. they're all fucked up. Oh, it was worth it. See, see, here's what you have to do, Kyle. Right, you have to be angled with your camera at the certain way. When you're on the night bus, you have to be posted next to the wall so that when he fucking slugs you, you clip through the wall and access the out of bounds. From there, you can, you know, instantly teleport and wake up in your bed. It does require a broken nose, but I mean, you know, every speed run requires you to at least throw a grenade to knock yourself out of bounds. Yeah. So his is just a punch. <laughs> That's exactly how. I also throw a one punch reference in there because literally how it worded it, it literally came off as one punch, <laughs> which is like the opening to the first season. Uh, but yeah, uh, like I said, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I thought it was very descriptive. It was easy to envision. Pretty, pretty simple premise, but also very intriguing. I, I'm going to go with four. I, I really enjoyed this one. So, four out of five Haunted Penne. Yes. All right. Dope, dope. I like that. We, we should use that as our, as our like, numbering system. Just how many Haunted Penne's it gets. Yeah, for, yeah, for sure. Oh, that's great. I, it just came off the top of my dome to say that. Um, for me, personally, I like I said, I love it. It's very descriptive. It's very cool, like, how... Um, you can take something that's already a premise itself. Like I said, it, it, it reads a lot like the night bus as well as the Hogwarts express, but it makes it so much dark and sinister, but at the same time, it doesn't make it too dark and gritty. So it's no Zack Zack Snyder's Dawn of justice, uh, Batman V Superman. Um, but it, it's good. It's effective. It makes you feel a little creeped out by the Harbinger. You're fucking absolutely terrified of him. I'm terrified of that dog. Like, I, I'm scared of dogs because getting attacked as a kid. So if I saw that dog, I'd be like, uh, no, no, I'll sit, I'll sit across the aisle from you. Like, I won't sit anywhere near that damn dog. Yeah. Um, for me, uh, I want to say I want to give it a, a f- 4.2 out of 5 Haunted Penne. Okay. Um, I thought it was a really great story. Um, I would have given it a 4.5, but I did kind of have to like take away from the fact that certain parts of it were weirded wordly, and I absolutely, like I said before, disagree with the stance that you know you secretly hope you know or glad that it's not you or somebody you know that it's happening to. Um, I I had to take away from it from that. But that's just like a personal thing. Um, but yeah, four four point two. It's well written. It's it's descriptive. It 
it, it it feels like not just a story but also a survival guide and to me i think that's that's what is great about it is because he's telling you if you ever find yourself in that situation here's how you can survive and here's how you can get your one question with the harbinger and i like that um, it, it, yeah. it feel it feels good to me. Um, not a lot of horror stories tell you their experience and how to survive it while they're still going through it. Yeah, I will say though, the the, the OP because they never mention the actual name of this uh, the, the character. Um, I, I I think he's a junkie. He's a junkie for it. Yeah, that's what it seems and, like. Uh, even though they continue to have like all these attempts to catch the bus and shit like that. I, I, I think, I think he's just going to keep going and the Harbinger's never going to get back on that bus Yeah, because you get one question with him. Yeah. You know, it doesn't say one now or one per trip. It says one, one question, question if he gets on. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that's the reason why he doesn't always get on. Yeah. Is because he doesn't get on for people who we've already answered a question to. And I, I assume that uh, that if he doesn't get on, you just go back to your street and that's it. Well, yeah, yeah, you do. Yeah. But I'm saying, like, in, in, in the case, like, if you've already asked a question, I don't think he's going to come back on your bus. Yeah, I think that's, that's where the they're messing up like they don't realize that you really only get one question yeah and he's he's just gonna keep waking up and keep getting frustrated and it's gonna continue to hunt him and either a he's gonna put himself in a scenario where he's gonna try to test to see what will make him appear and whatnot and he's gonna get fucked yeah um i like that it's open-ended where he's like excuse me i have a bus to catch yeah i love the ending I, I would I would like to see this story continue in the sense that like I want to see him test the waters and I want it to ultimately collapse in on himself, you know? Yeah. Then it then it will be like an a pure make this a horror novel. Wound liquor, if you hear me, sir, make more content for this shit. Make me a fucking full Stephen King novel of this shit and I will read it. I I, I can see it now, someone doing a horror short of it and all of a sudden they get that last line and the the guy says, "Excuse me, I have a bus to catch." And he walks to the door. Credits roll. A uh, film, a film by Ari Aster, <laughs> <laughs> or, or an M Night Shyamalan it, twist where yeah. he tries to get on the bus and the door doesn't open. He, he like fucking walks into it and like the bus runs over his foot or something. And it's like plot twist by M Night Shyamalan. Yeah, he, he, or he like I'm bus catching. It's hit by a bus as he's walking out. Or yeah. He takes, a, he takes a step off the curb and it, it, it freaking mean girl Regina George's him. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, man. Uh, anything else you got uh, you wanted to mention before we uh, we hop off? Oh, uh, I mean, I think that pretty much wraps it up. Uh, do, do you want to give a, a brief uh, look at uh, what we have planned for the next episode? So the next episode, we are going to be starting our cryptid A to Z. Um, when Kyle and I were discussing this, and we hope you guys join us, um, each episode that is a cryptid, because the way that the episodes break down now is we're going to do one creepypasta 
episode, one cryptid episode. We want to break it down that way. Um, that way we can do both of those things. Yeah. Um, so if there's a long creepypasta like this one, it's just going to be one story, either narrated by myself or Kyle. Um, but for the, the cryptids, the way that the cryptids A to Z is going to work is Kyle and I are going to go through the list of cryptids A to Z. We're going to pick one cryptid each from each letter and we're going to bring about a little bit of the research we learned about them and share it with each other so um i look forward to that because i mean fucking cryptids are a, you know this yourself the cryptids yeah. are a hole you can fall down far oh, yes um it's it's good it's, it's a very good wikipedia hole to fall down you just find some wild shit and then it gets even worse if you take those same stories to reddit or uh you know other places like you know, uh, other uh, creepypasta or cryptid uh, podcasts as well. Um, it's a massive hole to fall down. So I'm excited that, you know, we get to travel down that rabbit hole together with uh, everybody that is listening. Uh, and yeah, um, just remember if, uh, you know, the Night Harbinger gives you a, uh, a question to ask, maybe don't ask it on what are you? Or on a date. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> Monster fucker. Mr. Mr. Harbinger guy. Um, would you like to go on a date with me? I mean, I'm totally not into you or anything, Baka. God. As you're twirling your hair. <laughs> yeah. you're, you're, you're batting your eyes. Mr. Harbinger. Sing to him like Marilyn Monroe. Mr. Harbinger. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but anyway, uh, uh, good, good evening, good night, good morning, whatever it is you're listening to us. Uh, uh, thanks for joining in, and we'll see you next time.